We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. I think there was supposed to be a Christmas bumper, but hey, what do you, we, we got enough video, right? So hey, it's so good to be with you. Hey, it's Christmas week, everybody. Are you excited? Man, I am excited. Wasn't it awesome just seeing our kids up here? I'll tell you what, uh, there's nothing that brings joy to my heart more than just seeing kids singing Christmas, getting into the, the Christmas spirit of what it's all about. And here we are at church. And guess what? Uh, you deserve a gold star. You know why? Because you came to church and it was snowing out. Come on. <laughs> We're Montanans, people. We, came, we come to church. We don't let a little blizzard or winter weather advisory stop us from coming to church. So, But I, I realize that there are a lot of people that maybe uh, you weren't able to make it to church here this morning. And uh, you're at home watching. So I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to you. We just welcome you. For those who are watching online, welcome to Hope Church. Welcome home. Even though you're not in our home, you might be in your home. We still welcome you. We know that God has something for you specific today. And I just want to, would you do me a favor? Would you give a, a very warm Hope Church shout out to our Hope Church family in Eureka? We love you guys. So glad that you're with us this morning. Um, and uh, we just welcome you, and we are excited because last week uh, we began, in fact, uh, Miss Marty Corpola, Mrs. Marty Corpola, I think that is the proper way to say it, uh, she kicked off a brand new message series for our Christmas season called Unto Us, Unto Us. And today we're going to uh, continue in that message series. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to go look at the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and he would prophesy 700 years before the birth of Jesus about the birth of Jesus. And not only would he prophesy about the birth of Jesus, but he would prophesy what Jesus would mean to you and to me over 2,000 years later after not only his birth, but after his death. And so we're going to read um, Isaiah chapter 9. Now, let me just set this up for you a little bit. Sometimes it's hard for us to get the context for which, uh, when we read the Bible, a passage of Scripture. So sometimes it's important to kind of frame it up. And, and that's part of my job for you this morning, is to frame up the prophet Isaiah is speaking directly into a time of the people of God, the chosen people, the people of God, who were walking in a time of great darkness and distress, and we're wondering, God, where are you? Just like for a lot of us during this whole COVID crazy season that seems to never be ending, for many of us, we could say, God, where are you in this? And for some of us, it's been rough. And even heading into Christmas, we want to, you know, be happy. We want to find joy. We want to... Um, we want to kind of move past the season, but sometimes there's like a darkness that can kind of settle over us and just kind of cast a little bit of shadow, even on the celebration. And you could be in a room like this, you could be in a party, and yet inside you could be feeling depressed. You could be struggling with anxiety and to find peace in the season. And so Isaiah is getting a word directly from God downloaded to him. And he's penning these words out that we're going to read here in just a moment. And he's speaking of a future time, 700 years into the future, when the Messiah, Jesus, would be born. And it goes like this, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, now he's transitioning out of God speaking into their situation to where uh, God is telling them that he's frustrated with them that they have chosen to follow other gods and not stay true to worshiping the one true God. And, and he's, for the first seven, eight chapters, he's rebuking them. He's reminding them that you've walked away from me, your first love, and I'm the God that protects you. I'm the source of your life. I'm the source of your strength. And nevertheless, after all this, he rebukes them. Now there's a transition where 
God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of all the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And now he starts speaking and prophesying about the person of Jesus. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has come, has dawned. And you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. And they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat. And you want to underline that in your Bible. We're going to come back to that. As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, and every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for your word that not only encourages us, but it strengthens us. God, we thank you that you didn't just come as a baby, but you came on a mission from heaven to bring us life, to defeat and push back the powers of darkness, and God, to bring power and strength and restoration and healing and life and joy and peace and counsel to your people who were waiting on the Messiah to save them from their sin, save them from their darkness. You opened up the heavens and you brought life in the person of Jesus. And that's why we celebrate this season. So God, we're gathered here today, not to just sing some Christmas songs, not to just check off our list of coming to church because that's what we do around Christmas. But God, we're gathered here today to worship you, Jesus, the Messiah. And we thank you for the gift that was given unto us. And we celebrate it today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. It's Christmas week. How many of you are excited for Christmas week? I'm excited. You know, um, it's funny as you go through the journey of life and, you know, I have five kids. I know I don't look like it, you know, with my svelte figure. Um, But I have five kids and I love them all. In fact, that was my daughter up here singing today. And, um, and it's interesting, as you go through the seasons of life, you know, I was thinking as I saw the, the kids all singing up here, some of them dancing and getting into it, and uh, it always just warms my heart. And, but it's interesting, as you get a little bit older and as your kids grow a little bit older, um, you miss some seasons. You know, every season, you know, there, there's some joy in it, there's, there's beauty in it. And so I've always embraced life that way, where I embrace the season that I'm in. But I was sitting there looking at the little kids. Actually, I was thinking about it earlier in the week, how this is a very unique season for my wife and I. Three of our five kids are are graduated. Uh, Two of them are out of the house. One's still hanging on. (laughs) And, uh, And then two of them are still in high school. But, you know, it's different when kids get older. Christmas is just different. It's not like when they were young and they were so excited with anticipation about Christmas. And we had some traditions, you know, that we did in our Danic household, like I'm sure many of you have your own traditions. Uh, But I was remembering every year we would post a video because we would tell our kids, you know, they, you know, Christmas, they want to get up so dang early. And as a parent, you're staying up late at night, getting no sleep, wrapping gifts. Oh, wait a minute. That was my wife. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and anyway, you stay up late and you watch Christmas movies and you wrap gifts and you put together bikes for your kids. And, and then they want to get up so stinking early in the morning. You know, thank God for coffee. Can you, anybody give me an amen? And, um, and so, you know, we told them, if you get up, you cannot come out 
until 7 a.m. That's the time. So they'd get up at like 5.30, you know, before the break of dawn. And what we'd make them do is say, we, you had to go into your sister's room. If you wake up, you go in your sister's room, and you don't come out till 7 a.m. That's the deal. And so what would happen is they'd all gather in that room, and eventually they'd wake, them up, wake us up because we'd hear fighting and rumbling and all this shenanigans that are going on, and they're hitting each other with pillows, and they got all this pent-up energy and excitement and anticipation for this day called Christmas. And they can't wait to get to that tree. They can't wait to see what's underneath that tree to unwrap the gifts. And what, what we do is at 7 a.m., we tell them we would, um, they'd open the door and we'd sit there with our phones and get ready for the video. And they'd all come running out at once and run to the tree. And we'd made them, they got to get your stocking first. That's the deal. You go to your stocking first and then we give you the gifts and you unwrap them. What we're doing at Christmas and what we're doing in this message series is with great excitement and anticipation we are unwrapping the greatest gift that was ever given to humanity unto us a child was born unto us a son was given and it isn't just any son it isn't just any child last week Marty unwrapped for us the gift of Jesus, the Messiah, as wonderful counselor. This week, I want to unwrap for us Jesus, the Messiah, the mighty God. The mighty God. You know, I think you even, you can't even say mighty God normal. Like, you got to say it like, mighty God. You know, come on, can I get some amen up in here? It kind of makes me want to just get all Pentecostal up here on this Family Christmas Sunday. He isn't just mighty God. He's mighty God. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad this morning that we don't just worship a little helpless, weak, frail, fragile baby, but that baby represented not weakness, but strength, power as mighty God. It's interesting. I, um, I like to do word searches and, and unpack because, you know, the Bible was written in two different languages. In the Old Testament, um, it, was, it was written in Hebrew, some Aramaic, and in the New Testament, it was written mostly in Greek. And so sometimes the words that the Bible were written in, and this is why some of you have been confused for years, like, why are there different translations of the Bible? Why, why isn't there just one Bible? And Because scholars get together and they uh, for hours we'll debate over one word and what that word should say and how we should translate it into the English language. And, um, and so I love looking at different translations of the Bible, and I think that's a healthy thing to do because sometimes one translation will unpack a word a little bit more than another. And, and that word mighty is the Hebrew word gibor. Gibor. And it literally means strength, power, hero, warrior. Strength, power, hero, warrior. I think it's funny how in our society today that, you know, people don't like to come to church, but we love and almost worship superheroes. I mean, we love, how many of you are Marvel fans? Like, you love Marvel, Marvel movies. You love them all. I know the new Spider-Man come out. We're, it was funny, uh, on Thursday night, as a church, we rented out one of the movie theaters, and we, um, we contracted, actually had to get special permission from the producers of The Chosen to play their uh, special Chosen uh, movie Christmas special that they did. And so we packed out a movie theater. It was such a fun time. But I thought it was so ironic and funny because while we were, <laughs> while we were all there to go see the chosen Christmas special, one whole side, like six theaters out of the 12 theaters that are at the movie theater, and there was actually some more on the other side, were all dedicated to Spider-Man, <laughs> the new Spider-Man. And some of you are like shrinking in your seats like, yeah, I went to see that, Pastor. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, no condemnation. But, but I just thought, isn't it funny how we, there's something built inside each of us that longs for a superhero. We, we, we know that innately that there's somebody that needs to have might. There's somebody that needs to have power that we all need rescuing at some times. And what I love about the translation of mighty God, not only is it 
that he had strength and power and he was a hero and a warrior, but he was El Gabor, God of strength, God of power, God the hero, God the warrior. Now let me bring it down to a personal level because I think that anytime we read the Bible, you have to, you can't just read it and, and think that God is speaking to somebody else. You have to internalize it. It has to become personal to you. Until the Bible becomes personal to you, and by the way, it is. I believe that this book is the greatest love story that God wrote to you and to me. And so I love that he says, unto us, unto me, a child was born. Unto you, a son was given. He's not just mighty. He's not just powerful. He doesn't just have strength. He's not just a hero. He's not just a warrior. He's your strength. He's your power. He is your hero. He's your warrior. He's the one that fights your battles when you can't fight him. He's the one that gives you strength when you have no strength. He's the one that is your hero that came as a child not to stay as a baby in a manger, but to live a life, a sinless life, and then to go to the cross to take on your sin and my sin so that you and I could experience the greatest gift of ever, the gift of salvation. Unto us, a child was born. Unto us, a mighty powerful hero warrior was given to you and to me i think one of the greatest challenges of living the christian life and maybe some of you are here today and you came to see maybe a grandson granddaughter niece nephew and you got invited to the service and you're not a believer or follower in jesus and and maybe you're watching online and you just kind of tuned in because it's Christmas time and hey, you know, I should, I should watch a church service on Christmas time. And, but, but you've always been confused and you don't know what, what this is all about. And let me tell you something. I love the fact that we don't just read a historical account about a God who did miraculous things. That the word of God and the words in this book, even though they are a historical account of what God has done, that they don't stop there, that God is a mighty God that still does miracles today. He is still the God of power today. And yet, I think one of the greatest dangers of the Christian life is that we could start thinking that being a follower of Jesus means believing everything in the Bible, but not living like it's real, not living like it's true, not living like it has power. There's a, there's a scripture that even talks about this. It says that um, life, come on, follow with me now. Life is not just about believing, but it is about living in God's power. It's not just a lot of talk. The kingdom of God and following Jesus and the Christian life is not just a lot of talk, but it is a life of living in God's power. So how do we do that? How do we not only believe in Jesus as the mighty God, but how do we live life like we have the mighty God alive inside of us? You realize that this morning, right? You realize that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you received the gift of Jesus, you received the mighty power of God, and now the mighty power of God is alive in you. It's working in you to give you strength, to give you power, even to follow God, to have faith, and to believe for the miraculous that God wants to do in and through your life. That's the mighty God we serve. Am I preaching to the right crowd this morning? Has anybody seen the mighty power of God at work in your life? I know it's Christmas, but can I preach a little bit to you this morning? Come on, can we act like we don't just believe this, but it's something that we want to step into and live in through the power of God at work in you and in me. The title of my message this morning is easy. It's mighty God. <laughs> but we need to learn to live in it. And if we're going to learn to live in it, the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to depend on Jesus, our mighty God, 
for our source of strength. We need to learn to depend on Jesus, our mighty God, as our source of strength. It's all about dependence. You see, Isaiah was speaking to a people that were the people of God. They were the equivalent to modern day Christians. That just like you and me as followers of Jesus, that they too had to learn to depend on God for their source of strength. But here's the problem. Just like it's, it's our problem today. The problems haven't changed, you know. The date may have changed, but the problem's still the same. And the problem is this. Too many of us start to depend on our own strength, depend on our own health, depend on our job, depend on our, uh, on our children, depend on our wives, depend on our husbands, depend on our relationships, depend on our church. And if we're not careful, we can inadvertently start finding our source of hope and strength and peace and joy in things in this world that are limited instead of the unlimited, mighty power of God. And so this is a process where we need to learn to do it. And if we're going to learn to do it, we have to understand that there's a couple of things that when we depend on the mighty power of God that happen. And the first one is this, that when we depend on the mighty power of God, he turns weakness into strength. Weakness into strength. The Bible is a book full of broken, flawed people like you and me that God said, I am going to choose to use the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I'm going to use the weak people of the world to shame those who have strength or think they have strength and power. That God has a history of taking flawed, weak, broken, small people and turning them into what is not powerful, strong, mighty warriors. If you don't believe me, look at this passage of Isaiah. I love the Bible. The Bible is an amazing book. If you're bored with the Bible, you're not reading it right. Because I love, there's little, you know what an Easter egg is? An Easter egg is something hidden within something. The Bible is full of things, mysteries of God that are hidden in it. And Jesus would always say, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. There's only certain things that you can get through the Spirit of God. There's only certain things that you can discern actually through the Spirit of God. And, and this isn't a hard one. But back in this passage that we just read, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 4 and verse 5, it says this, verse 4. I want to remind you. It says, as in the, verse 4, as in the, come on now, stay with me. As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor, and every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled, come on, this is like, this is like 300 stuff, you know? Where's my men in the room? This is like, man, get me fired up, you know, bang my chest, like God's gonna do it. And this might be confusing for some of us. What is, what is Isaiah talking about? Well, I love that Isaiah is speaking and prophesying about what Jesus would be 700 years later. But he's also going back and remembering a time when God showed up when God's people were weak, back in Judges chapter 7, when there was this man named Gideon, and all the Israelites, because they had turned their back on God, and they tried to find their own strength and source of life from other places, what happened was God took his hand of protection off of them. And he allowed the Midianites to come in, and what they did is they would come and steal their crops. They would ravish their food source so that they lacked strength to fight them in battle. Just like if you didn't eat, if you're, we're about to go into a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, praise God. And, um, and one of the things that I don't like about fasting is that it makes you feel a little bit weak. You know, you don't try not eating some carbs for like three days and, and see how strong you feel. Well, these enemies of God would come in and they would steal their crops. And the Bible says they were impoverished. In other words, they lacked 
strength. They lacked power. They didn't have enough strength to fight this army. And so what they did is they hid in caves. And then God shows up in the form of an angel into this man, um, Gideon, who it's really kind of a, a funny and ironic story all in once. Gideon is actually hiding in a wine press because he's scared that his enemies are going to find out that he's threshing wheat and he's trying to make, you know, he's trying to get some semblance of food so that they could stay alive. And so he's hiding in this barn and the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, greetings, mighty warrior. <laughs> I just laugh at the Bible sometimes. You ever, you ever feel completely defeated? You ever feel like you got no strength, that you're tired, maybe you're fighting something, maybe some of you are here right now, maybe you got a diagnosis from a doctor, maybe your marriage looks like there's no help for it, and in the middle of it, God shows up and says, greetings, mighty warrior. In other words, he calls things as though they were, even though they're not. And even our life, I'm so grateful that, that God is the mighty warrior that calls me a mighty warrior when I feel like I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough strength. I'm too weak. I don't have enough resources. But God is the source of my strength. And he shows up and he says, greetings, mighty warrior. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to defeat this mighty army. And this was a mighty army, vast army. He says, but this is how we're going to do it. I want you to gather all your men and bring them out. And so Gideon gathers all the men, brings them out, hundreds and thousands of warriors. Okay, we can do this. We can fight this battle. Maybe we got a chance. And then God tells them, uh, I want you to send some of them home. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I thought we were supposed to win this battle. The more warriors, the more strength. And then he says, he gets them down to, you know, a couple thousand. And he says, I want you to send some of them down to the water to drink. And if some of them, the ones that don't um, cup their hands and bring the water to their mouth. <laughs> the Bible's so funny. And, and lap it like a dog. He says, I want my dogs. I want the doghouse. I want my warriors. And he says, those guys that cup their hands and lap, it, lap the water up like a dog, those are my guys. And Gideon's like, come again? And yet, so he does it, and he gets the army down to 300 men. 300. And this is God's game plan for winning the battle. I want to shrink your men down, and here's why. He says in Judges 7-2, he says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your... Listen, I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me and say, it's my own strength that saved me. God wanted him to know that I'm your mighty warrior and I'm going to make you a mighty warrior through my power that is at work within you. Now check this out. This is so cool. Oh, I love the Bible. He tells him, this is the battle plan. You take your 300 men and this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go at night and I want you to take a, a clay jar, clay jar, and I want you to take a torch, and I want you to take a trumpet in your other hand. And this is what you do. When I give you the word, when my angel gives you the word, I want you to uh, take the torch and put it inside the jar. And at the right time, I want you to blow the trumpet, and then I want you to break the jar and light will immerse out of the jar from all 300 men. And this is what happened. They did it. And guess what? The warriors got up out of their tents ready for battle. And when they saw the light beaming all around them, it spun them into confusion. And they ended up turning on each other and fighting each other until they were almost all dead. And then Gideon said, let's go. And his 300 men and came in and had victory over them. And it wasn't because of their strength. It wasn't because of their mighty army. It was because of the power of God. Now it reminded me a little something in the, in the uh, New Testament that Paul said, for we are like jars of clay, that inside of us there is this power at work. Come on, somebody. They took 
fire and put it inside jars of clay. They took fire and put it inside jars of clay. Fire represented power. Fire represented strength. They took fire and put them in jars of clay. Do you know that God took his presence, his power, the fire of the living God, and put his Holy Spirit inside of you so that when you are weak and you are broken and you are humble before God, the very power of God can come out of you and defeat every enemy. He brought light out of darkness, and darkness had to run for cover. I love that he didn't just stay a baby. We look at this story and we think, oh, cute little baby, and we could get all Talladega Nights. Well, I like my baby Jesus, sweet little baby Jesus, and we could pray like that, and we could think that he's this powerless, weak, frail little baby, but let me tell you, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Some of you in here, you just started your faith journey. Some of you are stuck. You've plateaued on your faith journey. You believe Jesus, but you stop believing for the supernatural, impossible things that God can do in and through your life. And God put me on commission today. Oh, I know it's family Christmas Sunday, but God told me it's time to wake up my church that I am still the mighty God. I am still the God of the impossible. And they're with me. There's nothing that you can't do. But you got to humble yourself and recognize that you're just a jar of clay. I'm just a vessel Without the Spirit of God, without that torch inside of me, I've got no light. I've got no love. I've got no source of strength. It's God's presence in me. Paul recognized that. Paul in the New Testament, he was fighting this thorn in his flesh that was making him weak. And he says, I played it three times with the Lord. Take it away. That's what we do with our weakness. We want God to just take it away. Take away my addiction. Take away my brokenness. Take away my lying. Take away my cheating. Take away my hiding, my flaws, and, and take away my pride. God, just take it away from me. And God says, no, 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 no. I, I need to teach you something about your weakness. And the only way I'm going to teach you is not by removing it, but by replacing it. I'm going to replace it with my power. I'm not going to remove it, but I'm going to give you my grace. And you're going to learn to, to, to live out of my grace. Find your source of strength in my grace. My grace is going to be your all-sufficiency. In other words, you're going to learn that my grace is really all you need. But that's the problem. We live in America. We got more than enough. We got all we need and plenty more. So we don't need to be sufficient. We don't need to find our sufficiency in God. We don't need to trust in him. We trust in our bank account and our jobs and our 401k and my health and my kids and my wife. And we trust in all these things. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you and you and you and you and you for my power is made perfect in weakness <laughs> beware unless you think you are strong enough to live without the power and presence of mighty God in your life Paul said oh no no when he got this and when it clicked and when it clicks in you then you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to stop hiding my weakness and I'm going to start boasting about it because when I boast about my weakness and everybody sees I'm weak in this area and then they see the power of God show up, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses because of that Christ power. Guess what? Paul recognized the more I recognize it's God and not me and I humble myself before God, the more his power starts to rest on me and the more strength I have, the more might I have. Come on. He said, he came to the conclusion in verse 10. When I am weak, then I am strong. <laughs> Come on, does anybody need strength this morning? He turns weakness into strength. The, the second, second one, and I'm going to try to do this fa fast, is that, that we need to depend on the power of the mighty word of God. Depend on the mighty power of the mighty word word of God. I love the Christmas story, but one of my favorite passages of the Christmas story is found in Luke chapter 1. It's when the angel of the Lord comes to Mary, and Mary gets supernaturally impregnated with the very uh, life of God in her. Now, some people are, are, you know, confused about that and how and everything, and you're in good company if that's you. But listen, 
Mary could not conceive a natural child only. If she was conceived by her husband, the seed would have been tainted by sin. But because God needed to be born fully God and fully human, he had to come out of the supernatural bloodline of untainted, untainted unsinful uh, seed. And so he had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I love this. In Luke chapter 1, listen, um, it goes like this. You will conceive. Now, this is the angel of the Lord speaking to Mary. Think about this. She's around 13 years old. 13 years old. She's engaged. Her boyfriend, she has to tell her boyfriend, um, I've been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you have girlfriends, but could you imagine your girlfriend, your wife saying, hey, uh, I'm pregnant, by the way. And um, don't, I don't want you to think anything funny. This is from God. Oh, yeah, right, Mary. Let, let me see if you buy that one. And so the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and be called the son of the most high God and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And look at what Mary says. How will this be since I'm a virgin? I want to pause right there for a second. How many of you have situations in your life right now where God has spoken a word to you? Maybe there's been a prophetic word spoken over your life. Maybe it's something that the Holy Spirit just quickened inside of you, birthed inside of you, and you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at your business, you're looking at your family, you're looking at your relationships, you're looking at the end of the new year going into to another new year, and you're thinking, how can this be since you fill in the blank? How can this be since... I'm uneducated and didn't go to seminary. How can this be since I don't have any full-time experience being a pastor? How can this be since I got five kids and a mortgage that's too high that I'm going to financially make it? How can this be since I was raised and I didn't have mother, father around and I was broken and I was sinful and I was addicted and, and, and I looked at things I shouldn't have and done things I shouldn't and I've disqualified. How can it be? Since. Is there any, am I speaking to anybody this morning that could say, how can this be since? And then God gives you a word. And things change. Things happen. There's power in the word. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit, oh, I love this. It's a beautiful picture of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on us. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, who couldn't get pregnant also, your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And look, look at what it says in verse 7, and here it is. And for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God. What's the word of God that never fails, that you need not to fail in your life? Because my Bible says that just like rain comes down from heaven and waters the ground and seeds and plants and things and prosper, that it's just like my word that comes down from heaven and gets planted in your heart. It will produce and prosper for what I intended for and the purpose that I have planned for. And so you, you're here this morning and you're not seeing God move in your life. Let me tell you something. I'm here to declare to you that no word of God will ever fail. No word of God will ever fail. Stop doubting and just believe that word that God spoke to you. But look at Mary. I love her posture. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, I'm not just going to believe it. I'm your servant. I'm going to act on it. This is faith at work. How you get power is you humble yourself in prayer when you're weak. We pray just like the Midians cried, Midianites. They cried out to God. They prayed. That's, how, that's your connection to the source of power is prayer. But can I tell you that the word of God isn't just about believing, oh God, that's true. Yeah, I believe your word. Amen, Pastor Lance. It's when you leave this place, it's what you do with that word. See, the power isn't just even believing in it. The power is putting the word in action. 
It's obeying it. It's trusting it. It's putting your faith and hope and trust in that word. That no word of God will ever fail. The last one is this, and we'll close. If we're going to depend on God, we have to understand that there is power in the love of God. There's power in the love of God. I, I remember um, this past week, I was um, over some friend's house, some elders, Joe and LaVon Hill, amazing people of God. And, um, and they were sharing with us a story that just kind of stirred my faith. Reminds us of how much God loves us when we cry out to him in prayer. And uh, they told me a story about when their first son, Paul, was born. He was born, I think it was three weeks early, and his lungs weren't fully developed yet, so he was really struggling to breathe and get oxygen into his bloodstream. And so much so that it got to the point after being in the incubator for, I don't know if it was a day or so, but um, they put oxygen mask on him, and they had to turn up the oxygen all the way to 98%. That means that they're feeding his lungs 98%. He's only breathing 2% on his own. Something like that. I'm not a medical person, so take my word for it. But it got to the point where the doctor came to them and said, do you have somebody that you can call, a priest or somebody, to pay last rites or, or say a blessing before he passes? And Joe at the time wasn't, wasn't a believer in Christ. Levon was, was an early believer in Christ. She was newer, newer to her faith. She was 20, 20 years old. And of course, in a desperate situation, powerless to do anything, she called her pastor. The pastor said, I'll, I'll be down. The pastor showed up and he knew what to do. Just like I wouldn't know what to do. But I know the one I know the God of miracles. And the pastor came and he was in the incubator and the, there was like a little opening and he slipped his hands into the opening and picked up the baby in both hands. And he looked up to heaven and he just began to pray. God, you can do all things. all of a sudden there was lights going off and sirens going off buzzers going off and, and Levon and Joe were freaking out in fact Joe said to the priest he's like you don't need to do anything just fix my son <laughs> and these lights are all going off and, and they're freaking out what's going on is he dying they actually thought that was the moment that he was dying but God but God showed up and after a little bit of while, they're working on him. They turned to him and says, he's breathing on his own. I don't know what's happening here right now, but we just took all the oxygen and everything off him and he's breathing on his own. And he came back to life. He was just about dead. And somehow the breath of heaven filled his lungs and he began to breathe. And the baby came alive and they told him, you know, he might be brain damaged. He's probably gonna, you know, not be very tall or very strong or not be able to do a lot of things. By his third month, he was in the 98th percentile in height and strength, all the key factors, completely fine. He could do anything. And it was funny because when LaVon came back to the hospital for the birth of her daughter a year or so later, she noticed this, this nurse was kind of looking at her and, and the nurse came, comes up to her and says, do you remember me? And she said, kind of vaguely, she said, I was in the room when your son came back to life. And she's like, can we go talk for a minute? She's like, I've been messed up ever since that happened. She says, can I tell you that it was, it was strange because when that pastor walked into the room, it was almost like this this presence in the room that was heavy, like filled the room 
to where it pushed us back to the wall. And all we could do was sit back and watch as the power of mighty God showed up and healed your son. It was a miracle. And she got to tell her about, you know, Jesus and their faith and everything. And it was amazing. Where do you need God to show up this Christmas in a miracle in your life? Where do you need the God of the impossible? Because there's power in the love of God. You see, he didn't stay as a baby. Yeah, he was in a weakened condition, but he lived a life of power. It was love that compelled him. It was love that when he saw his friend Lazarus dead, he began to weep. One of the shortest scriptures in all the Bible. And Jesus wept. He wept because of love. And he lived a life. He went and did miracles. Everyone that he touched, he cast demons out of people. He brought light into darkness. He was amazing. He taught with words of life everywhere he went. He was the mighty God that did miracles and ushered in the very power of God and reminded people of who God is. But you know what? He came on mission. And one of the missions that he came on is to defeat darkness, to put to death sin once and for all so that people can have a real relationship with God and what he did part of his mission was to come and to reveal the father to people because people had gone cold on God and thought God where are you you've left us here in the dark you're distant you're cold you're hard you're judgmental and Jesus showed up to remind you no I am the mighty God that loves you it's the power of love when he went to that cross don't think for a minute that there were nails holding him to that wooden cross. It wasn't nails. It wasn't Roman soldiers. It wasn't, it wasn't the judgment by people that held him to the cross. It was love. It was for the joy that was set before him. He saw you and he saw me. And that's what held him to the cross. Power of love. Come on, can I tell you how many times in my life have I been on the edge? It was the power of the love of God that held me, that kept me from falling off that edge. Come on, there were so many times in my life where I was right there. It could have went either way, but the power of God showed up, and it was love, the power of love that held me. It's the power of love that gripped him, that held him to the cross. Oh, don't think for a minute that he was in a weakened condition on that cross. Yeah, he may have looked weak and helpless, but it was by his own volition and own humility that held him to the cross because he knew I'm not staying on this cross in three days I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to bring power and resurrection life to everyone that I come in contact so much so he could have called down a legion of 10,000 angels right there at his disposal he could have spoke a word and those Roman soldiers would have dropped dead in fact when they came to get him and Judas came to betray him in the garden and the Mount of Olives when they came they came with hundreds of soldiers and they said to him said to him whom is it that you're looking for and they said we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth and when he said I am he the Bible says they fell back on the ground as if they were dead because actually the what better translation was is he says I am what he was saying in that moment is he was recognizing heaven was recognizing that I am the great I am and there's power in the name of Jesus that they fell back and it's almost like they fell back dead because he is the great I am he's the mighty God I want to read the scripture over you and we're going to pray out of Ephesians 3 16 and I want you to let this get deep down in your heart this morning because it's the power of God, the power of the love of God that changes us. Paul said this, come on, close your eyes. Just put your hand over your heart right now. I pray that of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep, 
is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses understanding that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Father God, right now we invite you, Holy Spirit, to just come. Come, Lord. I know it's time to close, but I don't believe you're finished with us yet. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to flood our hearts with your love. Come on, there's some of you, maybe you're here this morning, and you've never experienced the love of God. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. The Bible is clear. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And I love that the Bible isn't just a proclamation. See, true love is not about just saying it. True love is more than a proclamation. True love isn't true love without a demonstration. And Jesus, the Bible says that he showed us God's love, that while we were sinners, he saved us. He came unto us. A child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And he shall be called mighty God. He's still mighty to save. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you, just slip up your hand. Say, I, I, I want to know the saving, the mighty saving power of God to forgive me of my sin to set me free from bondage to my sinful life. If that's you, just slip your hand up. And I want us, maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're wrestling with it. I want us to pray this prayer. And if, and if you're here this morning and that's a sincere prayer of your heart, I believe that God is going to show up in power in your life. Can we pray this together? Pray it out loud together. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for being my mighty God. Today, I surrender and I believe that you are the Son of God. Would you forgive me of all my sin and wash me clean? I surrender my life to you from this moment forward in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.